1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Shots podcast. Um, we are here uh, coming to you from all parts of this fine country of ours. Um, as ever, I'm Joe Dyer, um, and we'd like to welcome our regular podcast uh, contributors uh, Charles Pugh. Hello. David Milner. G'day. The Independable Grace Tame. G'day. And I'm absolutely thrilled that today we have as a special guest star on the Shod Podcast, the one, the only Twitter superstar, Ronnie Salt. Welcome, Ronnie.
2: Good
3: morning,
1: everybody. Good morning from the lands of the Wiradjuri people. Mm. How exciting to hear your voice. Um, we we kind of hear it coming at us through Twitter because it's very distinctive Twitter voice, but to actually hear your dulcet tones takes it to another level entirely. <laughs> You're very well. really indeed. We're going to jump straight in. Um, we're going to try and keep this particular version of the podcast short and tight. But um, well, <laughs> you've heard it before. So if you have, you'll know how much luck we normally have at that. Ronnie has written a wonderful new piece for the shot, kind of salutary, kind of scary, um, very to the point um, as Ronnie's pieces always are, um, which is that the right and not just coming for our media, they're coming for our for our reality. Ronnie, do you want to give us a bit of an overview?
3: Uh, yes. It, it, oh God, it sounds scary, doesn't it? It sounds like this. It is scary, I yes. think. Yes, and all sort of slightly conspiratorial and it's not because like most manipulation or propaganda, it's all messy and... Um, you know, turgid and all those types of things. But there's definitely, uh, in Australia, there's definitely been a growth, particularly uh, noticeable in the last federal election. There's definitely been a growth, not just in the media, but within social media and within various sort of community interactions, you know, protests and all that kind of thing. There's definitely been a rise in right-wing rhetoric and the fanning and flaming of uh, culture. Yeah. So, uh, and and look, some of those examples in the article, I just picked a I I just plucked out a micro example of of a you know a, a virtually a non issue, a very small joke on a television program that doesn't have huge ratings that had been picked up and fanned and carried around like a head on a stick for at least the last two years. And um, you know, as part of my research, I put on my snorkel and my goggles, and I went into Sky News, Australia. <laughs> you went where
1: we many fear to go. <laughs> and, and I
3: watched, and uh, and I read the Daily Mail. <gasps> I read 17 or 18 articles in the Daily Mail. Um, all of them quite breathless, using the same sort of rhetoric, and uh, looked at uh, looked at stories of. Uh, you know, protests happening in Sydney and all sort of all, all what what I would call you know cross marketing promotion. Mm. And pretty much came to the conclusion that there was some sort of uh, hand fanning this behind the scenes. And that's that, that, that was pretty much just that I mean, you know, we could talk about the trans issue, the trans debate, um, you know, Catherine Deves at the last election, et cetera, et cetera. But it's increasingly becoming very, very ugly. Very ugly, very divisive. And it's, it's no longer about persuasion. It's about disorientation. And this
1: is, this is sort of slightly scarier and more sinister um, than in a way because previously, as you alluded to, a lot of progressives, they just like to think, oh, it's evil Murdoch. It's particular journalists who are pushing the agenda of their overlord, the owner. But this is something actually more nefarious at work because it isn't about an individual journalist deciding to push an agenda. It's that there's this sort of industrial scale kind of manipulation going on behind the scenes mm. that we're not aware of. Um, mm. That is, you know, paid operatives, as it were.
4: Because we're talking about the the joke on the project, right? This is the sort of where the article begins, right? Is that yes? Uh, joke that that comedian made on the the project, and and the whole point is um like i actually talked to a couple of the producers there because we went on the project a couple of days later and they they were astounded by the level of organization behind the attacks right they said there's clearly uh, it's unleashed a few sort of independent actors who've sort of threatened to rape and murder various presenters and things like that on the you know show but but the weird thing is, there is something systematic happening here behind the scenes, and because they were imploring us, please don't don't mention the Jesus joke, because we're just wanting to we're just wanting it to go away because it's just so ugly and organised.
5: Were you at and, all tempted to just tell the same exact joke again? <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, well, it's so funny because the producer the producer said to us, "I <laughs> know we shouldn't, we totally shouldn't." No, but the, yeah. We we were talking about it beforehand we we're going they're going to expect that we're going to do that right um, and the producer rang us early in the day said, please, can you not do it? And then the EP actually came down, you know, just before the show and went, please, can you not and it was like, And we were, we were going, how are we going to convince them that we're actually, we're not there. We're just there to sell tickets to our show. We don't care. This, this the... But, yeah, we should have. We should have just done the show. Charles, same so it. I yeah. hasten
3: to add, I, I, I did make a comment before about a show that doesn't have a huge amount of ratings. I should mm-hmm. correct myself and say, obviously, the night that you were on. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. We were in the coveted Friday night slot. Yeah, the coveted <laughs> Friday night show, yeah.
1: Uh, can I just quickly asked Charles I and mean, I guess the point that Ron is making is that whether or not you actually kicked it along by referring to it again mm. um isn't really the point because there are
0: other
4: no.
1: actors who are maintaining the momentum. Um No, the, the, but that's what I'm saying. Regardless.
4: The, the the producers were saying like this is actually there's something organized going on here. That's why we want to just, you know, because this is not this is not just a normal scandal of, you know, a few people randomly getting outraged and sort of thing. There's and actually through the
1: streets of Newtown. Yeah, so, so
4: there's actually talk- organisation behind it.
5: Let's talk through who how this works a little bit. So. Just as an example, I used to work in entertainment journalism and I would work with PR people quite a lot. They would come to me if they wanted a product reviewed or whatever. So someone gets signed up to like the Xbox account and then they're working on behalf of Xbox to get as much coverage in journalists. Are we saying that someone has signed, PR company has been signed up on the evil account, they've been signed up to <laughs> spread heinous <laughs> manipulation and that's just what they do now? How does this work, Ronny? Uh,
3: it's not necessarily from legitimate public relations companies because, um, you know, generally they do all engage in the sort of work that that you're talking about. Um, not all of them. They do have dirt unit players. We're talking about um, funding coming out of right-wing conservative. Um, <clears throat> nobody can see me but I'm using air quotes, think tanks and there's probably a, about uh, a dozen in the USA that are very very strong and they range in flavor from sort of center right right over towards nutcaseville uh which is alex jones and info wars and all that sort of crazy crazy uh with um, sadly fox is about in the middle which is pretty frightening so yeah that's <laughs> is is frightening is,
1: my god yeah.
3: But there's, sorry, there's, so, sorry, I'm talking about the think tank. So, uh, and also in the UK, there are quite a few, um, what's that, uh, Institute of Economics, something or other, um, the name offhand, uh, Camp, conservative the campaign party. The RTI camps, or? The Institute of Public Affairs in Australia. They don't just turn out rejects from Christian youth camps. They do actually, <laughs> <laughs> and, and guests for Q and A. They do actually engage in some sort of, you know, guerrilla warfare. As it's called. And then you've got the, um, literally hundreds that are attached to, uh, conservative parties. Um, in Australia, we have, we have hundreds of them operating. They're the people who, um, you know, seed stories. Uh, they basically hire, um, uh, you know, bot, bot accounts to come in and attack a particular subject. It's, it's pretty sophisticated. So what you're talking about, Davies, is probably more the more legitimate end of uh, what's generally referred to as uh, public relations. This is more sort of like guerrilla comms, guerrilla communications. Nasty stuff, actually.
5: And it's <laughs> nasty stuff because it's quite effective. And the point that you, you talk about in your piece um the reason behind why this, Steve Bannon's justification for this is just flooding the zone with shit. It's just a distraction. It's an overloading technique. It's burn people out, muddy the waters, and then we're just less likely to notice what's really happening. Is that the strategy? Yeah,
3: yeah. As I said, it's not about persuasion. It's about disorientation so that people sort of basically uh, give up. And and, uh, and I think it a more classic example of this in its in its human sense a, a no better example of this than scott morrison speaking our former esteemed prime minister he would constantly uh shift the narrative shift the landscape change reality when he was talking until after you'd heard him answer a question 10 minutes later, you weren't entirely sure what you'd heard. You just knew that it wasn't an answer to a question. <laughs>
2: the upshot of that is that people do not know what to ignore. Yes. And so you are left in a perpetual state of frustration and your your thought tendrils are sent in all different directions. Yes. And, and so you you sort of do naturally Pursue, it's the corruption of truth. I mean, this is what McCarthyism was once described as shortly after it was exposed in the early days. Um, and there's sort of a there's sort of a uh, a step by step process. You know, the first is hysteria, um, when it's then coupled with um, censorship, which we're seeing at the moment. Those two co co-occurring things. So you've got the hysteria, then you've got the censorship and then the the sort of the third is the reconfiguration of the narrative and what that does is create a a codependent or interdependent relationship between um, the the person or the group who is producing um, the product or the narrative and then the consumer of that narrative. It creates an emotional, um, an unhealthy emotional relationship as opposed to an intellectual relationship um and and it's uh that's where you see sensationalism be be is successful even though it's um not right because it's actually toying toying with your subconscious so even though journalism that is um uh you know just straight journalism it is is journalism without the hype it is nuanced journalism you know even though it doesn't it you know it doesn't necessarily pull you in because it's not shocking it's not eye grabbing it's it, it's just sort of you know you are sort of what journalism should be it should just be you know un, unbiased um objective coverage um from one source to to another you know it it it's it's uh not selling
4: and and I think there's actually a really interesting sort of cultural phenomenon going on as well because there's, there's actually a really great piece in the London Review of Books this week about how our entire culture has moved into a sort of, they call it the reaction economy, right? And the whole idea is that actually nowadays probably the, the primary source of cultural sort of output is people reacting Two things, right? So, you know, America's Top Talent or, you know, American Idol, all those reality shows now, the actual stars of that show are not the talent on stage. It's the judges who just react and just look at the sort of thing. And increasingly we have this whole culture which is because we're so overwhelmed by, as Dave says, the shit that's being poured upon us what what we're being taught culturally is to just, oh, well, we just have to react. And that is actually a reactionary thing to do. Like if you're actually just being <laughs> poor. Poured... its name would suggest, actually. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's not necessarily the case. But actually, you know, like if you actually all you can do is you're in this sort of Heightened state of reaction, then mm. of course you can't plan for better tomorrow. Of course the baddies win.
5: What we're it doing kind of reminds me of what I see on YouTube when my sons, you know, watching kids <laughs> open boxes of toys, and the whole point is the reaction of the kid on the screen. The reaction, it's- yes, yeah, yes. So
1: that's a whole new kind of subgenre of uh, of internet viewing is the reaction mm. video. And do you think, uh, Charles, that part of that is we are the we are looking to see how others are responding to take cues yeah. as to how we are then supposed to respond, or is it about um, enjoying an authentic moment where people are in that moment responding to what they see? It's not mm. authentic.
2: It's uh, no, we're, I, I, we're being I, I, kept not, away yeah. from the head, out of yes. out of the head, to properly examine things and to properly check our sources and to properly yes. check our conditioning, um, so that mm. we so that we don't actually see these nefarious. Yeah. Agendas at play, it, um, it, you know, because the truth is out there. To, the truth it's is out Grace's there. point, if, you, if you, yeah. you know, and it's and what we're doing actually, we hear these smoke screens like cancel culture and culture war. When really, what we're doing is is actually canceling culture itself.
5: Mm. It actually. It, <laughs> <laughs> Mic <Mike> drop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: the basis of the unified theory that i've been it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy the more that you you know the 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 the, the more that you sort of shrink things down and 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 disallow for, for for genuine thought and and you know time to reflect you know because a lot of these um you know examples where we're having debates about things or it's you know these. You know you pulled up this example of this this joke or whatever it is. I mean, it just gets dragged on and on and on and on, and it really is about people's reactions to it, and not about any kind of nuanced, healthy reflection on it. And and it just seems all disproportionate. And
4: can, can we also just say that the joke itself was very funny? It was yes. a good joke. The joke is it totally it, it, about it, it's how the funniest joke Jesus. on the project
5: in a long time.
2: After George Pell tragically died. <laughs> um, I don't know if the sarcasm th- that was you know
5: yeah big the yeah. Like picking <laughs> it no, up a
2: little <laughs> I, I picked up on um, it. <laughs> I I responded um to a tile that I saw um you know about how the the Catholic church had an opportunity to sort of uh show that it was sorry essentially I'm paraphrasing um, it was an, it was a it was a sample from a, an article that was in the Independent, and I sort of satirised that even further, um, and I, I said something along the lines of you know that the the, uh, the Catholic Church had an opportunity to show that it was you know um, still a, a proverbial limpet um, hiding centuries of crime beneath its uh, odious crusty shell, uh, and so on and so on. Um, two days later. The Australian published an article in its pathetic margin call column, which, you know, by the way, <laughs> takes its name from um, a, a Kevin Spacey movie. Um, you might want to think about updating that um, mm-hmm. considering his, his uh, situation. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't it, though. This, the, the next day there was a, you know, there was a sort of a gossipy column about my partner and I, my fiancé and I. Um, there was also somebody in a car outside our house who then followed Max to the tip. Wow. Halfway, halfway to the tip. Now, this is not uncommon, okay? You know, I've been, I've, been, I've been fighting a particularly grubby cause for a long time now, you know, for six years. Only two of them have been with a very public profile. And you know um the pedophile you know that that sort of that that underbelly of crime is is particularly nasty. you know I've been followed home i've had a i've had a thug get out of the car and bash on the, the window of my car while I've still been in it and call me a fucking whore, and other such examples of of intimidation or attempted intimidation to silence me, and you know you take it with a grain of salt um you have to um because you know you you sort of you realise well if they were going to if they were going to do something they would have done it mm. and and you, you you keep going, but that's what isn't seen, um, and mm. that's what often comes along with the the stuff in print. And the thing about the thing that's really insidious and, and, and nefarious about these tap, often tabloid articles is on the surface they look sloppily put together. So, to to people who are often quite intelligent who read them, they go, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just a sloppy article, but it's really pointed." And there's something, um, you know, that, you know, they they actually do think about they they do think about what mm. they're they're doing when they when they put it together. Um yeah. and and that's that's you know that's part of it. So- Sorry,
5: just back, to bring it back to Ronnie's piece, like you know, I looked at some of these Daily Mail articles I was editing the piece and they are always when they're presented as news stories they are all structured in a specific way that do have you know actual facts but the way they're presented and structured and even the order of them is very deliberately designed so you come away really shitty about this thing you know you always mm-hmm. you tend to get if there's someone you're meant to be annoyed at you tend to get told how much more they're getting paid than they should get paid you tend to get told, you know, political allegiances or just that they didn't take the bins out the other week. Like, And, you know, it seems like it fits in the story, but really three different facts about this poor person could have equally fit in. You just wouldn't have come away from that article outraged and not thinking deeply about what's actually happening.
3: Yeah, I, I think that the, the point is, though, Dave, none of it is about the subject matter under discussion. Yeah, Exactly. It's all, you know, disposable, disposable shite. Uh, what it is about is, um, you know, it's a, there's a, there's a couple of uh, strands at play, but certainly in, in, um, in hardcore advertising, what, uh, what marketing people work on is, is the battle for your emotions. So yep. basically, what they try to do is position a brand so that it becomes something that is, that triggers a reactive emotion in you when you see, mm. uh, you know, Coca Cola or whatever it is, because otherwise people wouldn't buy it. And in the same way, um, th- this is definitely what the conservative side of politics has grabbed hold of and understood much, much better than the progressive side of politics is that it is no longer about the issues. So Grace was talking before about people thinking clearly with their head. They're not, they're not, they're not after your head. They're not after you thinking rationally. Uh, what this is about is actually grabbing you by the emotions and getting you to react a particular way. I firmly believe our next election will not only be fought on issues you know, such as, I don't know, you know, nuclear submarines and whether you're going to be be getting a, a new hospital built in your area, increasingly believe what's creeping in is we're going to be fighting the next election on issues like trans transgender ideology, uh, abortion ideology, and what we're going to get is the inflammation and the battle for people's emotions. And that's yep. what's going to trigger people when they go to the voting booth. We're no longer talking in electorates Um they're not necessarily going to be focused on, um, you know, what's going to happen with the local hospital and so on. That's certainly going to get a run, but we're going to become increasingly like the American political landscape where people ban books in schools, um, you know, and then post the issue yeah. on YouTube and that's all fanned and then there's someone behind the scenes, you know, helping that along. And it basically, as, as I said, it's about it's about um, grasping people's uh, emotions. If I could just say too that one of the things that progressives have done very, very well over the last decade to two decades, is in- increase the idea of an unseen person or an unseen voice or an unseen issue. So whether that be the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter or people that are, you know, um, getting, um, you know, uh, arrested for protesting on a bridge, et cetera, that's something that the right has seen and has hijacked. They want some of the victimology too. Does that make sense? They're They're absolutely... Trying to get hold of what has has, has those emotive issues that are fueled progressives. Uh, conservatives are trying to get hold of that, and they're trying to get hold of hold of those issues and create an emotive issue on the other side. So
1: that they've suddenly you see a lot of that. They've suddenly become victims. Well, so could I um, can I ask two questions, Ronnie? Firstly, what do you think the appropriate progressive response is to this? Is it like trying to fight fire with fire? Um, and we come up with our own kind of emotional triggers? uh, Or is it about calling this out um, so that there is more understanding and cognizance of what's going on behind the scenes? And so it's very much about trying to make all of this stuff transparent in a way that it currently isn't. Um, And secondly, is there, though, some cause for hope in that whatever they try and do with the media Clearly, it's not working. Um, if you looked at the hysteria around the Herald Sun, which we've talked about uh, around Dan Andrews, you know, people saw through that and realised, recognised it for what it was. And so, because of the fragmentation of the media and that people are getting it from different sources, getting their stories from different sources, that these kinds of sort of manipulative puppet meister strategies aren't going to have the impact that they have previously.
3: In- increasingly, these these battles aren't being fought. Through mainstream media, they're being fought through fringe areas, and they're being fought through uh, various other sort of. They're using other tools, if you like. The tactics are the same, but they're using other tools. So, um, you saw, for example, with it just going back to the, you know, the that. Uh, poor comedian, Uh, he's not a poor comedian, he's actually a lovely guy, but, uh, you know, the comedian issue and the joke on the project, Uh, within two or three days there was a a march of people protesting through inner Sydney and disturbing diners and so on. And you will note that not only was that march of 30 or 40 people reasonably inconsequential, but it also happened to be filmed. Mm. And not only that, but it managed to find its way onto YouTube and the Daily Mail within the space of about an hour or two. Um, so that you, you've increasingly got sort of cross-marketing promotion going on. The other issue is that, um, the academic in me sort of says, not that I am an academic, but the academic and sort of rational person in me says that we need to increasingly become much more coordinated and much better at, uh, at calling out lies and bullshit and actually becoming much more pragmatic and, and practical and factual. Uh, because that's really the only way to go back. I do, I do you know, I, I will just add very quickly, in the last federal election um, I was uh, asked behind the scenes, I don't work for any political candidate, by the way, I never have, kind of thing, but I was asked for some advice behind the scenes about a political candidate who was under attack and they came to me and said, can you tell us what you think they're going to do next? uh and so i outlined four or five points and said this is this is what they're going to attack next this is where they're going to go this is what they're going to do this is what they're going to show uh the reaction of that political candidate and i said and i suggest you turn around and do exactly the same back to them now the reaction of that particular political candidate was absolute horror absolute horror that they would be yeah. engaging in this sort of down-in-the-dirt, bare-knuckles, you mm-hmm. know, guerrilla warfare kind of thing. And my words to them were, well, you can do it or not do it. I'm not advising you either way, but they're doing it to you and they're doing it right now. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I think about three or four of the five that I sort of pointed out came true. So there's an, there's a, an integrity issue amongst progressives, uh, and it's not even a problem, but there's the integrity of progressives who who don't want to. Flood the yeah. zone with shit. Who want to do things <clears throat> properly? Who want to say, "Oh, well, that's not a fact," or you know, that didn't happen, and that may be the case. But this
1: is what. Yeah, it that's really Julia Gillard's. Out. Don't write crap. Yeah, angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
5: Given the stakes, isn't that just a pointless moral high ground that that given Given the failure of that tactic, is that even moral? Is it moral losing the world? Is it, is it? Like, because you didn't want to punch hard enough?
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I agree with you. Yeah, and, yeah
4: and, the, I, the whole point is that um, if you ever meet a Nazi, you've got to punch them. Like, you have <laughs> to punch them in the face. Right? <laughs> you
1: have to punch the Nazi. That yeah, should it's, be that's the, the, the rule. That everyone takes. That's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> I'd punch the Nazi. Well, that's all quite um, depressing in a way. Yeah, that's um, terribly
4: de- is there some sort of solution that's all uplifting and that will solve everything? Independent what? media.
5: <laughs> Sweary. <laughs> Independent media. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Donate Grace. To the Grace Grace is about go. to torch
5: <laughs> Studio Ten as well, so like we're doing we're doing our part. I'm not
2: about to torch <laughs> Studio Ten. I'm about You're to You're dropping just,
5: some bombs today. I'm <laughs> just
2: about I'm just I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep banging the drum that I I, I bang. Wherever I go, and it's about, um, you know, this the specific nuanced messaging about paedophilia, you know, such mm. that it's an organised crime, and and that's, mm. you know, carrying on from what we were talking about before. It's it's very organised. It's that this this networking aspect that often gets m- missed out, and and in o- in order to respond to these networking, um. Or, or Or these networkers, we have to network as well. as 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 Ronnie was saying, we have to be more coordinated about our efforts to respond. Um, and it can be really hard it can be really hard to do that. Um, mm. but you know and and just communicating um, better, and social media is a is a great way to do that, but really the most effective way to do it is to interface with each other and get out there in the community and mm. and actually meet with real people and, mm. um, have the, have the authentic community, have the, you know, authentic conversations and forge the authentic bonds. Um, and, but also talk with people who you don't usually engage with. Um, mm. and you know, when I, when I, when I certainly my, like I was at an event last night, I was at an event on Sunday, um, you know, since, um, oh, you know, in the last, it's been less than two weeks, and I've been from Sydney to Darwin, then to Adelaide, then back to Hobart, then to Adelaide and to Sydney. And, you know, I've had meetings with two ministers in two different um, jurisdictions. Um, I've been to several community events, and afterwards I always stay back and I, I talk with individuals who, who take they've, – they've taken the time to come to the events to engage, and so the least I can do is to, to stand back and listen to their – um, either you know, either their stories or um, listen to their questions that they have to, to to ask. And there's always a learning opportunity and a listening opportunity. And it's in those those sort of enriching moments um, that you find there's always there's always something that can kind of bridge a gap. Um, and you know, uh, like unless we do that, you know, you can sort of do that in pockets online. But um, how can you properly engage? unless you have all your sensory organs, you know, like it's, we just, I feel like we just don't do it anymore. I mean, it's, and it's the pace at which we move is so fast.
5: We should have a party. Yeah. That's
2: the magic of theatre
1: wearing my other hat. But I think that's to Grace's point that is, it is then about, if they're organised, we have to be organised as well. It's like, don't get angry, get organised. Um, and that really has been the progressive mantra. And it's like the mantra which, you know, came up around the Republican referendum uh, before it went down and now people are looking again we look, as we approach the voice referendum, is it is about that organisation and the grassroots engagement. Um, that's what the Cures did so successfully. So getting into the same room, engaging in that kind of intimate one-on-one way, that's the way that you can change minds. Yes, exactly. I
4: love it. We actually did come up with a, we came up with a really inspiring end. That's great. Well done. We
1: did, we did. Well, on that note, we will leave you with that inspirational thought because Grace is going to go and throw some truth bombs anyway um, at the uh, studio ten. <laughs> it's an absolute thrill to have you with us, Ronnie. Ronnie's going to be popping in every now and then um, across the year as she uh, delves into. All the sinister stuff going on behind the scenes and opens our eyes. It's the scales fall from our eyes. Um, so we're looking forward to having you back, Ronnie. You're welcome.
4: Um, our gear is from Rode and we are part of the Iconoclast Network. Uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: We will. Bye. See you all.
2: Pasta la pasta. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.